Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. place of encounter today. You're in a place of encounter with the living God. You are in a place of encounter with the living God today. Hallelujah. We're continuing in our message series, Talking Back. Hallelujah. Let me see if my little clicker's working. It's not, it's not clicking. Click on something there. It went too fast. Went, 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 I did too much. I'm doing too much. That's what my daughter tells me. You're doing too much. Talking Back. Hallelujah. Tonight we're going to talk back to the devil using scriptures. What we're going to do in, uh, in, 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 in prayer tonight, we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to read scripture together. We're going to push back darkness and move into destiny. Amen? Who's ready for some destiny moving into? I've, I've moved in darkness before. I'm ready to move into destiny. How about you? Yeah. I'm ready for destiny. I am ready for some destiny. I tell you, well, you're good, Mike. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Great job. Amen. And give up the words to me if you would. So good. So good. So good. There's nothing like anointed worship to get you going. I, I want to I wanna, um, thank Kiana. Kiana, right? Kiana. I'm sorry. Great job. Good job. Amen. Great job. Thank you so much for filling in for us. While all our worship team is in New York at the same time, we know that wasn't God, but we still love them. We still bless them in their travels, you know. You know, sometimes we got to learn the hard way, but it's okay. I'm joking, of course. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Back in the dawn of Christianity, uh, there were always teachers and apostles. We, we read that in, in the Word. We, we know that there were these fivefold ministers. We know that they were deacons, those who were separated to ministry. But as Christianity began to mature and develop, there developed what were called religious people. And we use religion as a bad term, but it's, it's not. It's a neutral term. But there were people who were called religious people. Uh, often they were monks or nuns who sanctified their lives for the ministry. They didn't necessarily feel called to be priests or uh, minister in a church, but they felt called to minister to the Lord. And about the, by the 4th century, uh, these uh, movement of monks, they separated themselves from society to seek God. And most of our early Christian writings come from these people. And by about the 4th century, the, uh, a habit had developed where uh, they had read in the Scriptures that Jesus went into the desert in Luke chapter 4 to defeat the devil. And so many went off into the desert to defeat the devil themselves and to, and to write and to, and to uh, uh, expound upon theology. Now, some of that got really weird. I'm going to be honest, some of the early Christian writers got just, just really, really weird. And as we had the ecumenical councils, they came to kind of clean up theology and say, yeah, you've been alone too long. That's just weird, right? That's, that's not actually biblical. But, but out of it is, is some of the greatest writings that we still have today. And there was this monk that was alive in the 4th century. His name was Evagoras Ponticus, or Evagoras the Contemplative. That's something we desperately need today. People who are able to be quiet, be still, and just think. 
contemplate. Evagoras the contemplative. And this guy was kind of known for his victory over the devil and over dark forces, which is not a bad reputation to have if you ask me. And one of his disciples sent him a letter asking him if he could help him with victory over the enemy. And here's part of the letter that he wrote. He said, Oh, honored Father Evagoras, you put on the weapons of the soul's fitting labors, and you have become such an experienced combatant against the spirits of wickedness that not only have you become an object of fear among the demons, but you have also summoned others so that they too might become combatants against the evil spirits and filthy thoughts. I would love somebody to write a letter to me that said that. And so he wrote a book to help other monks out. And this is the title. This is like the coolest title, subtitle in the history of Christianity, if you ask me. The book was called Talking Back, and it's where I got the message series title from. It's Talking Back, and here, 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 here's, the, here's the subtitle. A Monastic Guide to Combating Demons. That was it. Talking Back, A Monastic Guide to Combating Demons. Now, I don't recommend that book for your study. It's, uh, it's early. It's not all that helpful for today uh, in, in what it talked about. But, but, the, but the premise is solid. The premise is where I got the idea for this message series. This 4th century monk who was living in the desert, separated from everyone, trying to seek God and defeating the devil. Well, in this book, he wrote basically eight areas of warfare that we fight the enemy and we, we fight demons. And uh, Gregory the Great, who became Pope Gregory the First, limited to seven. And then um, Thomas Aquinas in his Summa Theologica, or his book, uh, The Summary of Theology, which is among the greatest theological books ever written, put it in his book and he titled it The Seven Deadly Sins. And this is where the seven deadly sins come from. This, this monk in the fourth century who spent time in the desert seeing how the de devil plagued people. And I'm here to tell you today, nothing has changed. The devil has no new trick. And as a matter of fact, in your life, as long as something works, he'll keep using it. He will keep using it. He will continue to plague you with the same thing over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, Pastor Tracy and I have a thing that when we're battling something in our mind, well, we will say something like, has that ever been true in the past? Like, no, no it hasn't. Thank you for reminding me. That is a lie that I'm continuing to meditate upon right now. Now, what's interesting about this, this warfare terminology uh, this battling demons, this, this, you know, all the early Christians, and many say of Jesus, were, were pacifists. They were against war. They were against death. They, they, they were radical in their um, being pacifists. As a matter of fact, you know, Jesus said, if someone slaps you, let me slap you again. And, 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 and so we see this warfare terminology, and we can get so perverted with the lack of war that we don't recognize that we're actually in a war. We are in a battle against the devil for our soul. We are in a battle against this culture for our soul. And we're in a battle against lies for our soul. And if we look all over the New Testament, we see all kinds of terminology in Scripture that talks about this warfare that we are under right now. 
Let me put my clicker here. I got to click the right button. My help. Give me the next one slide if you would, Josh. Here's what, here's what Paul said in Ephesians 6:11. Put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. This is warfare tech terminology. This is you're going into battle. You have to be dressed accordingly. Now, this is one of the most perverted scriptures in the Bible because people think that it's a magic spell that you say. But if you read this, it talks about how you live your life in a way that the enemy doesn't have a place in your heart. Also, in in Amen. Also, in uh, 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 go ahead, Josh. In Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse three, he says, "For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle according to the flesh." For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of forces. That means not only are we covered in armor, supposed to put on this armor that we're supposed to block the enemy, we're also supposed to do some offensive work as well. We're supposed to destroy some areas that the enemy has built in our lives to destroy us. It's like a foothold in our in our lives. And, and, I'm, and I'm here to tell you one more time, there is a fight or a war over our soul. I, I, I don't want to scare anybody. I, I don't want to drum up fear. But we have to recognize that as soon as you strapped on this flesh, you look like your daddy, and there is a war over your soul. There is a war that you're in, and either you're fighting the war or you've been conquered. Uh, people like to think that, oh, no, I, I don't really believe in that. Well, the greatest lie the devil has ever convinced people of is that he doesn't exist. And that we are not in a warfare. You talk to people who don't know God, aren't following God, aren't doing anything for the kingdom of God, and they are the least worried about the enemy because they've already been conquered. As I've seen in this last season, I've seen warfare in my family, and I never ask the enemy what's going on with God. But when I see the enemy scared, I know God is up to something good. And I've seen in this season that the enemy has been scared because because God is moving in people's lives right here at Revival Life Church. There's something prophetic. There's something apostolic that's happening. That's that's setting people in a in a high place to walk in the favor and purpose of God. There is a war over our souls. And where does this war? Where, where does the enemy fight this war? It is over our desire for fulfillment. It's a desire to have joy or to have the good life. And each of us, as we talked about last week, has a worldview. We, we have a, a mental map. We have a, a, a meta-narrative. We have a, a faith that we have constructed that gets us to the good life. And oftentimes, how much you buy into that mental map dictates where your mental health is based on that mental map. I have found when I am most concerned about being in control of my life, I have the least control over my joy. The more surrendered I am to the will of God, the more I am able to weather the rocky seas of life. The more we get in our spirit that God actually is worthy of our trust, the more we are able to enter into the joy of the Lord. God is well able to run our lives. God is well able 
to be trusted. And we have ideas we talked about last week. We all have ideas in our head. Some are built on reality, and some are built on fantasy. Some are built on complete conjecture. Some are built on what we have actually learned in concrete life. Some of what we learned will come to pass. Some will never come to pass. And there is a battle in your soul over how you get to the good life. Do you you see that? It's super important that we get this in our spirit. There is warfare over our soul over what the good life is and how you get there. And Boca Raton has a clear idea of what the good life is for you. Boca Raton has a very clear vision over how you get the good life and what it looks like. And we're going to talk more and more about this as the weeks come to pass. Jonathan, can you make sure that all the mics are muted? I feel like I'm a little echoey up here, but I may not be. Who knows? I may just be more anointed than normal. And so it's resounding in the heavens. And that's what I'm, I'm, I'm hearing. Are, are you guys with me right now? Are we good? And so we have, we have, we have studied by way of, of refresher from last week. Did you get anything out of last week? Yes. Did you do the exercises? Has it been helpful? God is good. And so we, we, we've understood that there's three areas of warfare. We've been, we've been talking about this. And you've probably been meditating on it this week. There's three areas of warfare in our lives. There is the world, there is the flesh, and there is the devil. Everything is not the devil. Everything is not the flesh. And everything is not the world. The world actually is beautiful. You know why? Because God created it. This, this earth is beautiful. Your body is beautiful. You were created to be beautiful. And, and women get on me all the time every time I say this, but the way your hair goes out of your head naturally is beautiful. You can change it if you want. That's fine. I don't think God cares. But you need to love you. Amen? You need to love you. The way your nails grow out of your fingers naturally is beautiful. Fellas, not everything is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, though. All right, so we need to we need to work on some of this stuff that isn't beautiful. Let's let, you know. Let's let's take care of the temple, right? But 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 we can't hate what God has created, right? There's this whole train of holiness that says the flesh. Here's what I want you to be careful of: the flesh is evil, the spirit is good, and so all flesh is bad, all spirit is good. We we talked recently about the shiny happy people video. Remember that about the about the Duggars and, and, and the problems that came out of their theology. And, and as, they, as this unpacks, another one of the daughters just came out with a book. And uh, any time any woman was not dressed like a pilgrim, one of the, one of the kids would yell. They had a buzzword. They, they, someone would yell, Nike. And the moment you heard the word Nike, everybody would look at the ground. So they wouldn't be, become impure by this flesh. And so what they were doing is they were training their daughters that your body is unholy, and if anybody sees it, it's sinful. And so we train our kids, not even recognizing. We don't want them to be, you know, overly flirtatious. We don't want them to be unholy. But at the same point, we begin to have this, this, this bifurcated theology where God's creation somehow is not good, and man's holiness is up to the woman. And, and we, know that's, we know that's a problem, right? We know that's a problem. We know that we are supposed to live holy, though. We, we know that women's shoulders aren't unholy, but we know that there is holiness and we're supposed to 
strive for holiness. And, and instead of actually attacking the real root, which is where we think we're going to find joy, we attack manifestations of it and we never actually conquer the real sin. Does, does that make sense? And so we need to get to the root of these things, which is, which is what we have been talking about in this message series. And what we've been talking about is that deceitful ideas appeal to disordered desires that are normalized in simple society. Deceitful ideas, that's lies. We believe lies that appeal to our disordered desires. So you may have a desire. You may, maybe God has called you to be a, a successful businesswoman. Maybe God has called you to be an entrepreneur. Maybe God has called you to, to amass wealth in a way that blesses people around you. But that, that desire becomes disordered and it becomes greed. So there is greed in your heart where there's supposed to be you want to make a way for other people financially. Now it's all about you. So that desire becomes disordered because your flesh is desperate to feel successful. And we live in Boca Raton where there is no shame in being greedy. There's no shame in being opulent. There's no shame in being boastful. So in this sinful society, it says it's okay for you to live greedy. Does that make sense? That's what this sentence means. This is what we talk about when we go through it. We see... Next slide, Josh. We see deceitful ideas come from the devil. They appeal to disordered desires, which is in our flesh, that are normalized in sinful society. That's the world. This is the three areas of our warfare. This is what we're talking about today. Now we're going to get into John chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 13. This is Jesus praying His high priestly prayer. Jesus knows He's about to go and be betrayed. He knows He's about to be murdered. And He knows He's going to leave His disciples. And He begins to pray for them. And He says this, starting in verse 14, excuse me. He says, I have given them Your Word. Excuse me, verse 13, I'm sorry. But now I come to you, he's talking to God, the Father. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them away from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. This is this is this is Jesus. This is Jesus praying for us. Now, th- there's so much to unpack in this, and we're just going to touch on it today because I don't want to go too long. I want us to be able to receive communion with the proper reverence. Uh, there's been a lot in the news recently about about truth. Now, uh, former former. Um, Former President uh, Donald Trump has had a business that's been in the news. Oops, sorry. We're not there yet. What? I don't, no, not there. Whoop. Not there. Former President Donald Trump has been uh, in the news uh, recently. And it's not really Donald Trump. It's, it's the business that he was over. And um, if you remember, this week there was a summary judgment against his corporation. Uh, and, and, and this isn't a political thing, uh, just... You know, by the time this thing gets done in the courts, we may not be alive by the time this is done. Amen. There's going to be appeals. I mean, they may bury me before they bury this court case, right? So that's that's 
that's not important. But, but the bottom line that I wanted to get at was, this was a fraud case. And at the bottom, at the bottom line of this fraud case is, what is truth? And I want to read you just a snippet of what the judge wrote about this case. He said, in defendant's world, rent-regulated apartments are worth the same as unregulated apartments. Restricted land is worth the same as unrestricted land. Restrictions can evaporate into thin air. A disclaimer by one party casting responsibility on another party exonerates the other party's lies. And then the judge wrote, he says, um, he made ar- multiple arguments by defense to justify the alleged inflated valuations of Trump's assets. Here's what he said. Pay attention to this. That is a fantasy world, not the real world. Donald Trump in, on uh, his social media said, hey, we made tons of money for people. I never defaulted on any of my loans. Nobody was hurt by what we did. And this is important for us to get. What, what a religious commentator wrote about this case is, he said that Trump resorted to a postmodernist denial of, the, of objective truth. This is where we're at in our society. There is no absolute truth. It's only bad if somebody got hurt. If nobody got hurt, it's okay for me to lie. And let's be honest now, even if people got hurt, if I get ahead, it's okay to lie. This is where we're at in society when truth is not absolute and truth is not valued. When there is no shame in being a liar. When there is no condemnation for being someone who can't be trusted. This is the business world we live in, and I'm, I'm here to tell you this is actually much of the world we live in. As I move through church circles and I talk to ministers and people call me for some reason, I get a lot of ministers calling me wanting to talk about things and, and, and talking about strategies. I'm, I tell them time and time again, hey, no matter what you're doing right now, you need to hold on to the truth. Just because something grows your church doesn't mean it's from God. Just because you say something and it does what you want it to do does not mean it's good. You have to tell the truth to your people, even if it does not benefit your church. If you're not building your church on the truth, you're building it on the lie, and I'm here to tell you it will not stand. You can't build anything worthwhile on lies. You can only build it on truth. I have found, as I minister prophetically, people ask me, hey, do you remember that word you gave me? And I tell them, hey, I only remember the ones I make up. Because I I have to track those. Otherwise, God is never going to line up. If I give you another word, it's going to line up with the last word. Because I don't make them up. The one who is truth is the one who gave the word and he'll never contradict himself. So we need, we need to lean on the Lord. We need to operate in truth. This is this idea that there is no absolute truth. That all truth is subjective. That that your truth may not be the same as my truth. I love when people say this. Well, well, my truth is. I I, I this is. I, I'm just gonna be honest with you right now. When 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 you talk religion, you talk theology. You say, well, I believe. I'm like, well, I hope you understand. It doesn't matter what you believe. There is truth, and then you want to be in it. There is truth, and there is a lie, and I want to be found in the truth. I want to be found where Jesus is because Jesus is in. The truth. Jesus was not murdered because he was a great leader. Jesus was not murdered because they thought he was the Messiah. The Jesus was murdered because he spoke truth 
to power. He saw power in the power structures of the day, and he did not yield to it. He refused to yield to the power of the Pharisees. He refused to yield to the power of the Sadducees. He refused to yield to the power of the Romans. When he said to him, hey, don't you know if you answer me, I can let you go? Jesus was like, you don't even know who you are, let alone who I am. I am the truth. You have no power unless my Father gave it to you. I understand the real source of truth, and I am not afraid of it. See, those who want to operate in worldly power, they got a scheme and they got to get factions together and they got to gossip here and they got to sow some deceit there and they got to try to manipulate the crowd. Jesus does not work that way. Jesus is not trying to get anybody to like him. Jesus is not saying, if I just act like this a little bit, maybe you'll love me. No, no, no. Jesus said, hey, I came out and, 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 and I didn't do what you wanted. And you're like, hey, why won't you sing a song? Why, we played a song. Why aren't you dancing? We played a dirge. Why aren't you mourning? He's like, because you don't control who I am. I am truth. He's say amen. That's why when you hear these theologies that say, if you do this, God will do that. We don't run God. What we do is we get involved in who God is. We get involved in God's program. We, we take part in God's nature. We, we take part in things that we know He blesses. I read the Word not to get God to do something. I read the Word because it's truth. And anytime I get saturated in the Word, all of a sudden I discern the lie more. You might be saying, why am I constantly falling for lies? That's because you need more truth on the inside of you. And when the truth is on the inside of you, it resonates with truth. It, when you hit that C thing and then you play the C all of a sudden it resonates in a way that you know it's the same frequency. We need to get the truth in us in a way that the frequency of the truth around us resonates. That's why sometimes you just, you spend a lot of time with God and you talk to somebody and they talk to you like, that person is lying to me right now. I know they're lying because it's resonating like a lie. You'd be like, you know you're lying. I know you're lying. I know this. I get so disappointed in people who, well, I'm not going to go down that road. Oh, Hallelujah. 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 This is, what, this is what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 5. His disciples said to him, can you put that up, Josh? He says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What is the way in this life? What is, what is the way to the good life? What is the way? I've got to tell you, it's through Jesus. You can't get any shortcuts to the good life. You can't sin a little bit and get in the good life. You, you get, well, this is hard, so I'll sin and then I'll come into God's... No, no, no. There is no shortcut to the good life. There are just stumbling blocks that you have to go through to get into God's plan. Oh, I don't want to go down that road, but I really, I'm going to for a second, actually. I am. Right, here we go. Jesus went to the cross with his eyes wide open. He knew where he was going. He knew what was going to happen. We know Jesus had to die, right? But did he have to be murdered? Well, that's debatable. He could have just been quiet and lived out his days and died of natural causes. But he didn't. God had a mission for him. 
And Jesus, he didn't commit suicide. He didn't split his wrist and say, let me just get this over nice and painlessly. He didn't bait. He said, ah, I'll be a hero and I'll start a war and then I'll look like a hero to the Jews and I'll still be killed. He didn't do that. No. No. Jesus did his assignment. He allowed himself to be abandoned by his best friends and he trusted the Father with the perfect plan for his life. And because of that, whoever puts their faith in Jesus Christ today, when you believe that Jesus Christ was sent for the propitiation of your sins, that you're separated God, separated from God because of your sin, not only separated from God, you're separated from eternal life because of your sins. And as you put your faith in God, I can't do it on my own. thought I was a pretty good person. I knew there were some issues with my life, but I thought I was a pretty good person. I know I did a little bit of dirt, but that's not important stuff. That's the side stuff. The important stuff, I was a good person. And because of that, I'll probably go to heaven. It's not how it works. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. And so when we put our faith in Jesus, and He becomes a propitiation for our sins, we get adopted into the family of God. We get adopted into the family of God, and we get all the benefits of membership. We get the Word of God to be alive on the inside of us. We get the Holy Ghost of God. We get the Spirit, the power, the working of God. We get the blood of Jesus that we get to apply over our lives against the, the lies of the devil. There's just so many benefits to being saved. I'll tell you what, I had a conversation with my daughter recently. She's not here, so I'm going to talk about her. The daughter's a worship leader. You know, she's on stage. You know dudes are looking. I'm like, you understand because you're on stage, you're more attractive than most women, right? You, you get that. People be looking at you when you're on stage and they get... My, my, my daughter gets all the prophetic words about, you know, I'm not going to go down that road right now. Here's what's funny. My daughter grew up in the Holy Ghost. It's like she doesn't seem real prophets. And people come up with a little word. But, okay, that's uh, good for you. You know, and, and she, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm going to tell you one more. I think it's funny. She said that recently after, uh, after this person came shaking to her, she's like, I have the word of the Lord for you. And she's like, uh-huh. I was like, she said, she said, guess what it is? I said, God's going to use your voice. She said, bing! She said, God said, God's going to use your voice. She's like, he just did the first service. I don't know if you were here. I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to do it two more times today. I don't... <laughs> Come on. You want your kids to understand and hear the Holy Ghost. Amen? And not be swayed by, 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 by these things. I said to my daughter, I sat down and said, listen, I don't care. I don't care if your husband is rich or poor, whoever you go to marry. I don't care if he's tall or short. I certainly don't care what ethnicity is, what national background, but he better be saved and he better be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because, amen, because I don't want you being dragged around by some fleshly man threatened by your gift. You better be filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. I'd have a real conversation. You get married to a man not filled with the Holy Ghost, you will, I don't want to say you will not, but it is highly unlikely you will come into your call. Come on, somebody. He, come on. You want to take sacrifice? Uh, he better, I say he better be filled with the Holy Ghost, or you better expect him to get filled the first time you bring him over to the house. That's it. That's it. Because I'm asking. And that's going to be the conversation until either Shababa or leaves. I mean, that's it. It is a revival meeting. Come on, somebody. It is a revival meeting. Because the devil's going to leave with or without him. I don't know which. 
I just, I'm, just don't let it be a surprise when he comes over and we start talking about it. What you think about Acts 2? Huh? <laughs> Tell me your thoughts on John the Baptist. Come on, somebody. You better, better have an opinion because we go in there right now. We're going there right now. We ain't playing here. We are not. Come on, somebody. We are not playing here. You ain't going to steal the gifts of God from my family. That ain't going to happen. I'm sorry. I'm not out now. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm reeling it in. I'm reeling it in. See, there's, a, there's an argument today that Christianity is one of many, many religions. It's, it, it's just all religions point to the same thing and it's goodness that matters. You can be good and go straight to hell. You could, you could be the best person in hell. That don't, that don't sound like fun to me. They can be, well, I'm the goodest person here. Ah! Get the worm out my head. You know, like, I just, that don't, that don't sound like a good time to me. You're the best person in hell. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'd be the worst person in heaven if I did. No, no. The goal is not goodness. The goal is not kindness, right? That is not the goal of Christianity. The goodness and kindness are evidence that you have met Jesus, right? Like that's, that's evidence. That's fruit. And, 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 and today, today, today you, I'm telling you, election season is coming and people are going to forget that we're supposed to be displaying the fruit of the Spirit. And one of them is truth, right? And telling the truth. That's fruit of the Spirit. The goal is that we walk in truth as defined by Jesus as evidenced by the Holy Ghost in our lives. I'm, 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 I'm hammering this home because you guys, we're all, we, we guys, us and ladies, just children and the angels. We are in a world that, that all day, every day, is bombarding our minds with an opposite message. So we need to come to a place that doesn't reinforce that message, but is here to say, listen, Jesus is offering something very different. What Evagoras teaches us is that the foundation of the work of the devil is to come against truth. That there, there is an absolute truth. And the, and the enemy wants to, wants to pollute your ideas to come from other places. He wants to pollute our thinking so that truth is optional. That truth is a, a vague thing that kind of floats around in the ether. You know when you ask your kids, hey, I want the dishwasher empty by four. You don't mean 4.30? You don't mean next day? You mean, you know they know you mean today. I want the dishes emptied out the dishwasher. And then you go talk to them, and you're like, why are the dishes not done? Oh, you wanted it done today? You knew I wanted it done today. Don't, be, don't, don't act a fool right now like you didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know you meant today. What do you think I meant? You think I meant next week? Like I had a conversation this morning about next week? Really? You think I'm pre-planning the dishes? You think I got a calendar out thinking next Tuesday I'm going to be home around 3? Sure, it would be nice for the dishwasher to be empty. No, you know I meant today. Kids are brokers in lives. It's like it is their main commodity. They can't help it. They try to act a fool. Like, I know you ain't stupid. You're my kid. Come on, somebody. You know I want the dishwasher. How come the sun is up and the dishes are not done? You said, like, let's walk in truth here. Just, just be honest. Tell me I was just lazy, Dad. I'm sorry, I'll go get it done right now. Can we just walk in truth? I'm not going to kick you in the head. Just, just empty the dishwasher. Right? But, they, but they're, they're, they're programmed because they're around a bunch of liars. They think that we can't discern lies. I see lies. Like when you ask your kid, did you cut your hair? They're like, no, I didn't cut my hair. Then why are your bangs up here right here? What, what, what happened? Why are your bangs all jacked up? 
Why are your bangs all jacked up? And how come I was just in the bathroom and there's some scissors on the counter with some hair? The color of your hair. Why would? Is this all magic? What happened? You, we, we got demons I got to cast out that would use scissors? No. The kids, they just broke her in lies. Like, what do you mean you did not use this? Like, the problem in your hair now, the problem is you're lying to me. And you look like a fool because of your haircut. We pay people to do that. What are you doing? Did you draw on the wall? No. So who drew? You think I drew on the wall? Come on, man. Come on. You don't, just tell the truth. Why you got a D? I don't know. Come on now. Come on. Have you been doing your homework? You've been doing... Have you been doing... Oh, I tell you... Anyways. Anyways. But we got we to keep kids honest. Amen? We got to let them know, hey, the, the, the truth matters. And our ideas about the good life have to be based on the reality of Jesus. Otherwise, they're based on the lies that appeal to our imagination. The lies that appeal to our soul. The lies that appeal to our flesh. They're based in one or the other. We, we, we have a Creator, and the Creator is truth. I want, I want to show you a clip real quick. I want to show you a clip. Now, Deion Sanders, love him or hate him as a football player, the man loves Jesus. Right? He will preach the gospel. If you, give, you ask him, he'll, he'll be on 60 Minutes last about Jesus. He'll talk about Jesus. He don't care. He, he will preach the gospel. And he, he's, he's now the head coach of the Colorado football team. Doing pretty well. Some people were pretty mad because they thought he wouldn't do well. Man's in the Hall of Fame. Like, they, you can't be a dummy and be Hall of Fame cornerback, right? And so, last year, his, his, the team won one game. They brought him in. And now the team is, like, competitive, right? And so people are trying to follow him. And, and here's, I want to set this clip up, all right? Pay, pay attention here for a second. I want to set this clip up. So, normally, when you get a scholarship to a college team, like, you're set for four years. Like, it's guaranteed. You just, you can be a terrible player and they're not going to cut you. That's historically how it's done. And Dion was like, I'm not used to losing and I don't plan on starting now, right? And so he fired all the coaches. And then he told the players... Um, y'all might want to find a new team to play for because um, y'all are used to losing and I want players who are used to winning, right? And so people have really come after him because he wanted winners and he wanted to win. They were challenging him. They're saying, you getting rid of these kids was mean. You getting rid of these kids was wrong. I know they couldn't play football, but you shouldn't have got rid of them, right? And so, so here's, um, go ahead, Josh, if you would play that. So here's Dion talking about this. Superior talent he planned to bring in. More than 50 players eventually transferred out. You got here and you didn't pull punches. You told some have, of these guys. Have I ever? You take a team that's won one game and you fire the whole coaching staff. So, who did the coaching staff recruit? The kids. So, the kids are just as much to blame as the coaching staff. And I came to the conclusion that. A multitude of them can help us get to where we wanted to go. You told most of these guys, the more you jump in, the more room you're going to make. Those of you we don't run off, we're going to try to make you quit. Yeah. You made it very clear. Yeah. Now, now if you went for that, if you were, were able to let words run you off, you ain't for us because we're old school staff. We coach hard. We coach tough. We're disciplined. Marians. So if you're allowing verbiage, to run you off because you don't feel secure with your ability, you ain't for us. If, if some kid said, you know what, no, I'm staying, 
You're not going to run me off with your words? Right. Stay. So prove it. I'm sure that your straight talk was appreciated by some, but is, is this scorched earth policy good for, for college football or for the kids? Watch this. I think truth is good for kids. We're so busy lying, we don't even recognize the truth no more in society. We want everybody to feel good. That's not, that's not the way life is. Now, it is my job to make sure I have what we need to win. That makes a lot of people feel good. Winning does. I, I got to push back on this. You're, you're the father of college but, athletes. Yes. If they called you and say, hey, we got a new coach, and they're telling me to get in the transfer portal. I say, son, you must, be, you, you must not be doing well. That's what you do. You must not be doing well because you should be an asset and not a liability. I'm honest with my kids. He's, I want you to hear what he said again. Yeah, yeah, that's good. He said, amen. Come on. Yeah, one clap, you all clap. Here, here's what I want to focus on right here. Truth is good for kids. We're so busy lying, we don't recognize the truth in society. We want everyone to feel good. That's not reality. We want everyone to feel good, and that's not reality. Earlier I talked about the judge who said, that is a fantasy world. That is not the real world. And this is what Jesus said in John 8.44. If you can put that up, Josh. Jesus said this, You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He let the leaders know, what you're saying right now, you have convinced yourself this is right, but I know it's a lie. This is not the truth. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature, or the NIV. Lying is his native language. He's a liar and the father of lies. Why is this important? The devil is lying about who God is. The devil lies about who God is because ultimately he is trying to come after who God is for your life. Next slide, Josh, if you would. Here's what I want us to see real quick. There is a creator. There is a creator. He has a design. If he has a design, he has an intent. If our creator designed this world and us with an intent, then there is a morality. There is truth. There is a way to judge things. And if there is morality, there is accountability. And this is where the devil comes against the truth. His goal is not just to get you insane. He's here to doubt that there is a God at all. And if there is no God, there is no morality. If all things lead to God, if it all is about feeling good or being good, then there is no actual accountability because each person gets to define what morality is, what good is, and what bad is. Oh, your truth may be that, but my truth is this. And we're sliding in our nation, and I'm not, I'm not here to strike fear in anybody, but we're sliding in a way where there is no ultimate truth. So the rare thing happened last night. The Republicans and the Democrats came together to pass a budget. And the Republican Speaker of the House put together a budget with the Democrats, and he excluded a group of Republicans. And the Speaker of the House says, at some point... Somebody has to be the adult in the room and govern. This is what America needs right now. We need some adults to stand up and say, 
The children are being lied to. You do not recognize the truth because you're doing what feels good and you're ruining everything around you in the process. At some point, we need to be the person who stands up for our friends and says, hey brother, I love you, I'm not your judge, but your drinking has become a problem. I've seen what's happening at your job. I've seen what's going on in your marriage. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to be the morality police. But the behavior, I hear how you talk about other women, and your marriage is not going to, to survive this immorality. We have to be able to tell people, brother, I love you and I know you love God. I, I hear that. But you got to go to church if you're a Christian. you got to gather and you have to sit under the preached word. Because Put it back up, Josh, if you would, please. Because there is accountability with God to do the things that God has told us to do. At some point, we need to come together with people and say, hey, I'm not your judge. I'm not the one who's condemning you. But I don't see a single one of your friends that are saved and none are moving towards salvation. Are you sure you're walking in the light? And we got to tell our friends, yeah, I, I hear where you grew up. I hear how you grew up. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful story, but you need to come to Jesus. You need to come to where you can hear the Word of God. You need to sit under the preached Word of God and get bathed in truth where there is morality preached so you can know the living God. You say amen. This is what people need, but we're terrified of that because we have been lied to that there is no ultimate truth. And if you say there is an ultimate truth, somehow you're mean or you're judgmental or you're, or, or you're bad or you're culty or, or, or whatever. You see, this is the plan of the devil. There's no accountability. Why is there no accountability? Because there's no real morality. That's just your judgment. Why is there no morality? Because there's no clear path. Why is there no clear path? Because I wasn't created. I just somehow am here. And I'm just here because there's no creator. That is the ultimate root of this lie. And it is a lie. It is a lie in our world today that it doesn't matter if you follow God or not. It is a lie in our world today that it does not matter if you believe in Jesus or not. It is a lie in our world today that it does not matter if you fellowship with believers on Sunday morning. You can go to the park. You can go to the beach. It's all the same. It is a lie. You say amen. There is a benefit to gathering as the people of God. But the world wants you to believe that there is no truth. Here is the truth. John 10.10. Put up your wood, please, Josh. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus came that they would have life and have it abundantly. I want to say that part again. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. People are like, oh, that Christianity is so judgmental and hateful. That is a lie from the devil. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life is what you have been created for. That is the desire of Jesus for all of us. If you're living in depression right now, that is not the plan of God for your life. If you're living in anxiety now, that is not the plan of God for your life. If you're living in financial lack 
That is not the plan of God for your life. If somebody is lording over you and abusing you, that is not the plan of God for your life. If you're stuck in cycles of sin, that is not the plan of God for your life. It is not. If you're confused in your brain about who you are or what you're created to be, that is not the plan of God for your life. God has come with truth that you may live abundantly. This is what your heart desires. This is what your heart longs for. This is what your spirit man is desperate for, to be connected with the living God, your Creator, the one who knows you, the one who created you, the one who has a purpose for you. If I get the band to come up. Jesus said this to His disciples again in John 17, 13. He says, But I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have joy and so that my joy may be full in them. Leave that up for a second. This is our Jesus showing us the way. This is our Jesus who could have stayed in heaven. Who could have stayed in heaven where he didn't have any problems. But he stepped down into a world that hated him. And in that world that hated him, he spoke truth. He made a bold declaration that there was a creator, therefore there is morality, and there will be accountability. No matter where you come down on what happens at the end of the age, are people sent into an eternal hell, or are they annihilated somehow? Or what? There is a judgment at the end of this life. We will be accountable. Nobody will escape it. And how we live here matters. What we say here matters. We live in a, a time of confusion. Great, great, great confusion. And I spoke this at the beginning of this message series where at one point Christianity was to be an honorable thing to be a part of, and now our society has crafted it in a way that it's a place of dishonor. Somehow you're ignorant or you don't really understand things or we can't really know what Jesus said or you can't really know God or we can't really trust the Bible. I've studied this thing. i got two degrees in it. You can. You can trust the Word of God. You can know God. You can be filled with the Spirit of God. You, you, you can walk in the truth. There was a battle in this very church a couple years ago about such lies. The devil tried his hardest to come against that truth. But I tell you what, the devil will never win. The devil will never win. I've been betrayed. You've been betrayed? Yeah. In the church? Yeah. sat down with elders and we had to ask, why did you lie to us when we asked you about these problems? And he said, I couldn't tell the truth. Well, sweet Jesus, I now have to win you to Jesus again. That's what that means. The Bible's clear on this. I now have to win you to Jesus. Pray for your soul. First Corinthians 14.33 Paul said this, God is not a God of confusion, 
but of peace. Our God is not the author of confusion in your life. God is not the one sowing confusion. It is the devil. If you are confused in your life right now, it is not coming from God. There is peace that passes understanding. So what do we do? Well, I want to challenge us for the next seven days. Till we meet again Sunday morning next week. I want you to read this Bible. I want you to get it, get somewhere in the Gospels, and start reading out loud. Start reading the Bible out loud. If you're, if, if you're married, try to do it with your spouse. If, you know, if not, get them saved. Then, then, then read the Bible with them, you know. They refuse to get saved, read while they're sleeping. I'm half joking right there. No, but seriously, we're going to spend the next seven days, find time, same time every day if you can. You're going to read this Bible out loud until God speaks to you. We need to hear the truth in our ears. And hopefully some of us, it'll create a habit of reading the Bible out loud. All throughout church history, they read the Bible out loud. They gathered together on the Lord's Day and they read the Scriptures out loud. Next seven days, we're going to read the Bible out loud. How long do I read, Pastor? Until you hear God speak. God's going to speak to you. When He speaks, write it down. Now you have a, a weapon against the lies of the devil. Go back to reading. We're going to read over some lies here tonight when we gather together at what time, honey? 7 o'clock. We've only been doing it for about five years, so I can't remember. It's the time that is. 7 o'clock right here. We're going to pray and read the Bible together. Jesus said in John 17 again, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. How would you know if the world hates you if you don't talk to it about Jesus? I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them away from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. I want us to sit here for a second and think about all the people in your world today who need to know the truth. They're living in the midst of their calamity, in the midst of their confusion. They're living apart from God because they do not know the truth. Imagine the generations you could affect if you get someone here under the preached Word of God. That they could be washed in this worship. Fellowshipping with this cloud of witnesses. Brothers and sisters around them who believe that Jesus Christ is the truth. Imagine the crowns in heaven that you would have stored up for you. Knowing that the only thing on this earth that we can take with us to heaven are the relationships we make here with other believers. I believe God is anointing some people today by His Spirit to speak those words. To have that insight. To have those words of knowledge.
Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you are alive, that you're worthy of worship. Lord, we pray that we would walk in truth, that we would hear lies, and we would speak the truth back to them, because the truth is in us. Lord, we want to walk in your truth. We want to live in your truth. We want our children to live in your truth. Father, we know there's two people here today. There's those who have surrendered their right to their own mind map, to their own way of life, to their own worldview, to their own faith. And there are those who have given their lives up for yours. Father, there are those who have received your salvation and those who have not yet. And we pray, Lord, right now that people would make a decision that today I am going to become a follower of Jesus. I want to walk in the fullness of life. We want our joy to be made full in you, Lord Jesus. We desire to break through the confusion of this life. We want to break through the confusion of this world to know that we are right with our God and going to heaven. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for any person in this room who is weighing that decision to make that decision today. I believe that Jesus Christ was sent and died on a cross for my sins so that I could be washed clean and know God as Father. Stand with me for me.